So I'm continuing in a, a series of sermons entitled Unafraid, Living with Courage and Hope. Today we take a look at fear of, uh, of the other, fear of other people. Now, fear is defined as an emotional response to perceived danger. An emotional response to perceived danger. This emotional response affects brain and organ functions and our behavior too as we often find ourselves either looking for a way to fight or to escape. It's important to note that when fear is our motivation for behavior, our behaviors seldom represent our best selves. It's also important to note that fear as an emotional response is not necessarily rational. In fact, often it is irrational. Now, we live in a time of great fear where there's a lot of perceived danger. Every year, Chapman University releases the results of a survey of what people fear the most. This year, the top of the list was dominated by environmental concerns. And with, with exception of number four on their list, fear of terrorism, fear of other people didn't really show up in their findings. That doesn't surprise me, though, because we're polite people. If somebody asks you, what are you most afraid of? You're probably not going to say, people who are different from me. But if we ask a different set of questions, we get a different set of results. Baylor University, in a study called Fear of the Other, reserved... Um, gave us the results. They found that 44% of evangelical Christians believe that Muslims are a, a threat to their safety. 44% of evangelical Christians believe Muslims are a threat to their safety. That's almost half. And of course, evangelical Christians aren't the only ones who have this concern. 23% of Roman Catholics and 22% of mainline Protestants, that's us, believe that Muslims pose a threat to our safety. Fear. Maybe more surprising, black Protestants, 24% of black Protestants believe that atheists pose a threat to our safety. 31% of Jews, 21% of atheists, and 20% of mainline Protestants believe that conservative Christians pose a threat to our safety. Other studies, other studies show that about 60% of Americans are afraid of radical Islam. 51% are afraid of white supremacy. 48% are afraid of terrorist acts. 30% are afraid of violent crimes. 18% of white Americans are afraid of losing their majority within the population. And 10% of Americans are afraid of strangers. Flip this whole thing upside down and start asking questions about Discrimination, 
55% of white Americans believe they've been victims of discrimination. 92% of African Americans have ex can share stories of experiences where they've been discriminated against. 90%, try to behave back here now, okay. <laughs> 90% of gay, lesbian, transgendered people can tell stories of times they've been discriminated against. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear in our culture. Fear of people who are different from us. Fear of the other. In a an article that I recently read in Psychology Today, psychologists remind us that there is a direct correlation between our people, the people that we associate with, I'll call that our tribe. There's a direct correlation between our tribe, the people we associate with, and what it is that we fear. As an example, we can take a look at the condition of the United States since the election of President Donald Trump. We can gather objective data. And together, we could all look at that same objective data. We could look at it all together, and yet there'll be different responses to that data. Those who voted for Donald Trump are going to be most afraid of terrorism, immigration, and globalization. Those who did not vote for Donald Trump are not nearly as afraid of terrorism, immigration, and globalization. They're mostly afraid of Donald Trump <laughs> and of the possibility of another world war. Different responses to the same data. Because who it is that we associate with there's a direct correlation between the tribe, our tribe, and what it is that we fear. Now, tribes can be gathered in lots of different ways. Lots of times our tribes are related to race or to culture or to birthplace, place of origin, or to politics. This morning, here, we are gathered together as a tribe of people. Our tribe is named Christians. And we're organized together in a church. Our, our tribe is not defined by race, by birthplace, by culture, or by politics. Look around. You'll see what I mean. Our tribe is defined by something else. Our tribe is defined first and foremost by God who invited us into the tribe. God has invited us into the tribe. It's part of who we are, people who've been invited in. And our tribe is defined by this love of God, this mercy of God, this justice of God, the very will of God being lived out in our lives. This is the stuff that defines our tribe, who we are. Now, one of the things that makes our tribe a little different from other tribes in this world is that our leader, Jesus, tells us to not be afraid. He says, don't be afraid of other people. Don't be afraid. In Jesus' time, 
People were afraid of folks with skin disease. Leprosy was the catch-all term for any kind of skin disease, and folks who had skin disease were not allowed inside the walls of major cities, often living long periods of time without experiencing human touch. But Jesus would go to them. He would touch them, and his touch would bring healing to their lives. This Jesus who says, do not be afraid. The time of Jesus, Jews were, well, they despised Samaritans. And of course, hatred is directly related to fear. They despised Samaritans, a different people, a different race, a different set of beliefs. Jesus would sit with Samaritans and would invite them into the tribe. Invite them into the family of God. This Jesus who said, do not be afraid. In the time of Jesus, the common folks would be afraid of religious leaders because of abuse of power and what that might mean to their own lives. But Jesus would address the abuse of power with religious leaders, speaking a word of truth to them. This Jesus who said, do not be afraid afraid. Now, we follow this Jesus, and by the grace of God, God is working within us to relieve that fear until that day when we know what John meant when he said, perfect love casts out all fear. Let's pause here for a moment and turn our attention to Scripture from Psalm 27 and from the book of Isaiah. Sharon, will you read for us? From Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. From Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. As a Christian community, we live in this world. But we're not defined by this world. We've been talking about this in my Bible study over the last few weeks. We live in this world, but we're not defined by this world. And what I mean by that is that as the people of God, as a community of Christians, it's not the world outside with all of its brokenness and sinfulness and violence that's defining our lives. Our lives are being defined by God, by God's claim upon our lives. Sorry. Knock my microphone off. There we go. Okay. By God's claim upon our lives and by this love is mercy Forgiveness, the grace of God. This is the stuff that defines us. Folks outside of the church, their lives are defined by something else. And because their lives are defined by something else, they might value things that are different than we value. They may choose to live their lives a little differently than we live our lives. We're in this world, but we're not defined by this world. We think about words that describe the brokenness of the world outside. I asked my Bible study class this this last week, and the words that they said were words like greed and like self-centeredness and like abuse of power. And, of course, we know that not everybody outside of the church acts in those kinds of ways. There are lots and lots of good people in this world. We know that. But we also know that what the world values is different than what we value. We can see what the world values. The world values money. The world values power. The world values appearance. These things we can see. Compare that to what it is that we value, and our list looks a lot different. Instead of greed, we value giving. And instead of being self-centered, we value self-sacrifice for the benefit of others. Our values include hospitality, making space for others whom God has invited to join in. Our values include caring for one another, trusting one another, loving one another, love. That is what we value. We value love. So we gather together on a Sunday morning as the people of God, recognizing that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And it's not always easy to know how to live in this world with all of its brokenness and with all of its pain, with all of the sin and violence of this world. It's not always easy to know. But we do know that as a people of God, we have chosen to love people instead of to fear them. We've chosen to love people instead of to fear them because we know that love is a greater power than fear and that love has the power to bring about transformation and healing in this world. And so we have chosen to love rather than to fear. 
Not that we always accomplish that. I mean, we're not perfect. God's still working on us. We're still under construction, so we don't always get it right. But that's what we're striving toward. We're striving toward our lives being defined by that kind of love. Here we are now today as the people, recognizing how difficult it is to figure out what that looks like in this world. But in this room, well, it's a lot easier, isn't it? I mean, we got nothing to fear in here, do we? We don't fear anybody in here, do we? Now, before I was a pastor, Jerry and I, our family, we lived in Flagstaff, Arizona. We are part of an alternative community there. And by alternative community, I mean that we chose to live a very, very simple life. Words that people would have used to describe us would have been words like hippies or earthy or granola. Okay? We often lived outside in a simple life. I've got a picture. There's very few pictures from this era of our life, but I've got a picture I want to show you because we lived here for a while in teepees. Two different occasions we lived in, in teepees. Very simple life. I worked in the woods and we lived there. We also had a very simple diet. We were vegetarians and we ate no processed foods. Simple. And strict. But that was who we were. It was important to us in those days as it remains today, to be socially aware and active. We were aware of what was going on in the world. I want to show you another favorite picture of mine from those days. This was taken by a photojournalist friend in a park. We didn't know the picture was taken. The occasion was the 20-year anniversary celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. So you can do the math. It was 35 years ago. That's me, and that's our daughter, Ranny. You can see the balloon there, and on it, it says, jobs, peace, justice. Things that were very important to us in our community, important to us personally. We were socially active. Now, back then, we were Christians. I've been a Christian you know, born into a Christian family, became, you know, claimed the faith as my own at age 16. We were Christians. But 35 years ago, in 1983, not all churches were comfortable with me being there. You know, uh, somebody with long hair and a long beard and a strange diet who lived in teepees. Not all churches were comfortable with us being there. We know that. We experienced that. They would be afraid of us. I mean, they wouldn't use that language. They'd say things like, he just doesn't look like he belongs here. But behind that's fear, right? Afraid of what our presence might do to their tribe. Of course, there's a little fear in me, too. You know, fear of not being accepted, 
It was just a few years after that picture was taken that we headed off to graduate school to seminary so I could be trained to become a pastor. At Princeton, my fellow students who were all learning to be pastors thought of me as interesting. What's interesting to me is that the friends that we made there were all Jewish from the greater community. And those are the friends that stuck through the years, not the Christians I went to seminary with. I find that interesting. Well, a year after having served as an associate pastor, we got news that we were getting moved to Camp Verde United Methodist Church in Camp Verde, Arizona. And we knew Camp Verde, 45 minutes south of Flagstaff. We knew it was farm country. There were a lot of ranchers there. We knew there were a lot of cowboys there, a whole lot of cowboys there, which made me wonder, how would this old hippie who didn't eat any meat do in a place where they're all cowboys? I was a little afraid. It didn't take too long after I arrived, though, to find out that my fears were irrational. Because what was, you know, who made up that congregation was wonderful Christians. Some wonderful Christians who welcomed us with open arms. Remember the kinds of things that define Christian community? Hospitality, creating space. Caring for one another, trusting each other, loving one another. We experienced that. We are welcome with open arms. Not that they knew what to do with us. I remember our first potluck there. Everybody brought meat. There was only one thing that we could eat, and that's what we brought. Ah, but it's a church who loved us nonetheless. They loved us, and we loved them. And... Because church community is made up of values like hospitality and caring and trusting and love, four years later, at our going away potluck party, the church decided to surprise us with a vegetarian potluck. <laughs> Everybody brought something we could eat except for one guy. He brought fried chicken and said, somebody's got to bring something everybody else can eat. And we loved it. I mean, we just absolutely loved it. It was a wonderful church. Now, that was a long time ago. I left there 23 years ago. And many of the wonderful people who made up that church are now gone. New people have come. Ten years ago, a new pastor came. And little by little over time, I don't quite understand this, but little by little over time, the church began to change. No longer hospitable, caring and loving, trusting. The church became divisive and judgmental. And that judgmentalism and that divisiveness, those things are rooted in fear. It breaks my heart what's happened to this church because it's not who they were. It's also not who we are called to be. I mean, we're not called 
to be judgmental and divisive. That's the stuff of the world. And we see that in lots of other tribes. And we see lots of folks who try to fan that kind of fear. But that's not who we are. That's not what defines us. What defines us is this invitation that God has given to us to come and join this party. What defines us is this love of God, this mercy of God, this grace of God, the forgiveness of God. This is the stuff that defines us as a people. We look around our room, and what do we see? Beloved children of God who are beautiful to behold. Doesn't matter what race. Doesn't matter what culture. Doesn't matter one's birthplace. Doesn't matter one's politics. Doesn't matter one's orientation. What matters is God has invited us in. And we belong here. And we look around and what do we see? Beloved children of God who are beautiful to behold. Doesn't matter who you look at. Look around the room. Doesn't matter who you look at. You're looking at a beloved child of God, beautiful to behold. And we got to remember this. I mean, we have to remember this because we live in a world where there is great fear. There's lots of perceived dangers in this world. And it's so easy for us to start giving in to the temptations of other tribes, those temptations to give in to the fear. That's not who we are. So we've got to remember. And when fear does raise its head, it's important for us to remember as Christians that we need to confront that fear. One of the best ways to confront that fear is to spend time with people who are different from us. There's some amazing things that can happen when we spend time with people who are different from us. For one, we find out that maybe we had less to fear than we thought. But for another, we give witness, we demonstrate the love we have and that we value other people's lives. We value them for who they are. That's a powerful witness. And as we share our own stories with others, maybe they come to understand they have a little less to fear too. I mean, in the end, that's what love does. Love makes the world a better place. Fear makes the world a worse place. But love makes the world a better place. Fear brings about division, judgmentalism, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Love. Love brings healing, transformation, makes the world a better place. Not that I'm saying that all people are good. I know, we know, there are bad people in this world. There are. There are some really bad people in this world. And so as Christians living in this world where there are some bad people, we have to be careful. Wise as serpents to use Jesus' language. We have to be careful. But here's the deal. Bad people don't get to tell us how to feel. Bad people don't get to tell us how to behave. Bad people don't get to define our lives. 
our lives are defined by the one who is good. God defines our lives and is this God that we follow. Through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is this God that we follow, who's at work in your life, at work in my life, even now, casting away the fear that the day will come when our lives will be fully and completely defined by love. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.